we spent the night in jail once in uh, in Greece. We were photographing three frogs, and then we saw like a big police car with the lights on on the. So we think, oh, let's say hi and let's have a chat. And the minute we walked up to the car, we saw them taking a step back and just looking really worried. We're like, oh, okay, what's happening here? Welcome to From the Ground Up, where we talk to reptile keepers and breeders about all things cold-blooded. Sit back and have a beer with us. Well, some of you are driving. If you're driving, keep your hands tended to and enjoy the show. Welcome to From the Ground Up, Sunday at 12 p.m. edition. Here you go, random middle of the day episode for you guys. And you know what that usually means when we have a middle of the day episode on a weekend, right? Yes. If you have been watching uh, our podcast for a while or listening, you know that when we have a Sunday episode, it means it is someone in a different country because that is the only way we can make the time work. Because I would feel bad if people were doing this at two in the morning. Yes, we would never want to make someone do that. So um, today we have someone from the Netherlands. And do you want to? And well, I want to do the actual intro. I didn't mean to go into the actual intro. Sorry, I led you there. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) We have some snakes available, portcitypythons.com. And if you guys want to know about corn snakes that we may be taking to Tinley or animals that we may have at Tinley, anything else about Tinley, or if you just want to say, hey, at Tinley, we're going. (laughs) Well, I feel like you should say, like, Tinley obviously is this weekend. The. Um, NARBC Tinley in Illinois will be there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Come check us out. But obviously, there's many other breeders there, and there's lots of uh, talks and educational aspects to Tinley going on also. Including the Friday Gecko Symposium. So this is a symposium with a few different speakers and food and drinks, I believe, as well. So that's always a plus. And it is that Friday night after Tinley. Is it seven to ten or something? It's like it's like it's decently late. late. Yeah. yeah. So you guys can go to dinner and then go to the Gecko Symposium and check out all of our Gecko friends. If you our, like things with legs. Yeah, I knew you were gonna mention something like that. Of course. Okay, now you're ready to introduce our guest. Yes, but I feel like I lost the last name. You're gonna help me on it. Oh, I'm gonna try. So our guest, like I said earlier, is from the Netherlands, and his name is. Health Jan Vespal. Oh, I don't feel like I did it well. <laughs> <laughs> well, here he is. Thank you so much for joining us all the way from the Netherlands. Oh, thank you for having me from uh, all the way from here. So, <laughs> yeah. And so, if people don't know, you are a world herper. I mean, you have herped a large amount of Europe, the Middle East, as well as the Americas, as well as Africa. So, um, tell us a little bit of how you got first interested in herbs in general uh i i think that's going to be a story like everyone who herbs has the same story it's like when you're young you see something moving and you just grab it it's for me it was always frogs and salamanders close to my home and uh, because there is not much else here and uh, we only have three snakes in the netherlands so it took me like a lot of years before i finally saw one but i was always catching catching little amphibians and uh, when we went on uh, summer holidays with my parents most of the time we went to france and then uh, then there were lizards and sometimes i saw a dead snake on the road and yeah when i was still a kid i was just searching and searching and searching i never found him when i was young but uh, that that came later 
<laughs> but it's it's been always it's always been there but uh it was not called herping uh, back then uh, in my uh in, in my uh, family <laughs> well did it have a name sorry was there a name for it or was it just no it was uh <laughs> oh he just likes uh, lizards and uh, and snakes and frogs a lot <laughs> yeah that, i think that's it and he's always into nature that that's what they always said about me and uh yeah yeah, I think that a lot of us started off in just like being wandering little kids. And I don't know if you're, if there's not a name to it or it's not normalized in your family. I don't think your parents are very, I mean, they may not be not supportive of it, but they're like, oh, he's kind of weird. He just goes out and plays some, with snakes. <laughs> some parents might be supportive of it. My my parents were were supportive. It was it was really small back then, so it's just uh, a boy who catches lizards and takes salamanders home and keeps them in his room, and they all escape and <laughs> that kind of stuff. But yeah, it was uh, innocent and uh, pretty normal, I, I think, for my parents. So but did now that... now they have another opinion, actually. I want to get to that later. So yeah. even when the lizards and salamanders would escape, they would still allow you to continue catching them? Yeah, they were, they were all pretty harmless uh, species. So, uh, yeah, why not? I, th <laughs> I think we, uh, when I was around 10, we, we found uh, the, the green lizards from, from Europe, which is uh, Lasetta bilineata. And we found, we found a couple. We took them ho home. And I uh, I fed them for a year, and then the year after we went back to France and we released them again. So, oh. yeah. Did that so, kind of lead into any other private keeping? I did. I did own a lot of snakes when I was around uh, sixteen to twenty, and uh, but I don't keep any uh, reptiles or amphibians anymore. I just uh, like to look for them and uh, admire them in the wild, and uh, that's that's it. Of course, when I see. I like many. I, I I am a big fan of uh, vipers, and when I see one, uh, I always think like, oh, maybe it would be nice in the living room. Or, but <laughs> I just I just never do it. So it's it's not gonna happen. I just what keep did, them uh, where they uh, where they are. What did you keep back when you were a teenager? Oh, just uh, very uh, the normal stuff. So not not venomous because that was not allowed uh, by my parents. And uh, I think like uh, the Pantherophis, uh, the the corn snake, uh, boa, boas. Um, uh, let me see, garter snakes, uh, all the, the the things that show up in the pet stores. <laughs> I, I had them at home, and um, I changed a lot. And some of my I influenced some of my friends with it, and they also start keeping snakes and. Yeah, and uh, one time I had like the the big green uh, red-tailed tree snakes from uh, from Asia, like uh, the Goniosoma oxycephala. They were like uh, bad-tempered big snakes, and I think that's were probably my last the last snakes I had. But I had many more than that. But to to know which one they all were, I <laughs> I think it's, it's I think it's funny that. In the United States, we're very used to, obviously, things like corn snakes or boas and, and garter. garter snakes. And I thought that that was kind of just a product of us being in the United States or on this side of the world for the boas and stuff like that. But it seems like 
the commonly kept species may also carry on to your pet trade over there. Yeah, I think I think around that time when I was around sixteen, it was when um, lots of those, yeah, the the, the pretty uh, the, the normal species, they they came like uh, with with big numbers to to Europe. So they were in, and even in the most normal pet stores, they they had like a, a corn snake or uh, mm. yeah, a or yeah, just some some other just easy to get by uh, snakes and most most of the time from the from the states right now as you reached adulthood and got freedom to kind of travel around i mean what was one of your first big herping trips oh my big herping trips now for me one of my biggest things was uh seeing my first viper in uh in the netherlands which took me actually pretty long time i've found several when i was on holiday and they were flat on the road and uh, there's nothing more frustrating than never seeing an animal alive and just seeing it dead on the road. But uh, that's what you are used to actually a lot in uh, in the states, I guess. And uh, it took me a while before I found one because they they do live in the Netherlands, but they only in very uh, isolated places. And back then, I didn't have any internet or stuff like that, so I always thought, oh, I should search here and here and. And then after a long time, you finally get lucky. And it was actually one of the big moments. And, uh, yeah, from there, yeah, it's like the, the kid thing never goes away. So you, uh, you want to see more and more. Did I hear you say that there's only three snakes native to the ne- Netherlands? Yeah, true. Yeah, only the, the adder, which is Vipera beris, uh, the smooth snake, uh, Coronella austriaca, and uh, the, the grass snake, uh, which is uh, now it's Natrix Helvetica, but it's formerly it was Natrix Natrix, and uh, we do also have like uh, two introduced species, which is uh, the Elaf Serenki, which is the Russian red snake, and uh, a bull snake uh, Pitoophis. It lives in the dunes somewhere close Wait, to the ocean. What so, a yeah, bull we, snake? Yeah, we searched for them, but uh, we didn't find them. But they 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 found there some probably released pets. That, and well, they, they're doing all right. I'm shocked. Yeah, because I've heard, I think there's like a weird a weird population of those Russian rat snakes in London or something like that. And oh, are these yeah, just like escapes from the pet trade? I, I, I think so. I've, I know in, in the Netherlands, they are like, uh, there is like a guy living there who really loves snakes. And so I don't think it's really a coincidence that they live there. He has a, <laughs> a big bag of bed and breakfast and on his terrain, there's big piles of rocks. And he made the area very suitable for snakes to uh, to live, to hibernate and to, uh, to reproduce. So the, in his area, that's, they are doing, they're doing pretty, pretty, pretty all right. So is that like a weird old yeah, school mentality? Well, is that <laughs> yeah. looked down upon to release your own snakes in the Netherlands? And make your own little population. Yeah, make your own little area. No, it's uh, it's not what uh, what you're supposed to do. That's that's for sure. And uh, normally, when, when stuff like that happens, uh, then uh, uh, nature nature organizations will try to take them out because they're not native and they can cause problems for other uh, animals in that area. Right. Uh, for for the Russian red snakes, they don't they do compete a little bit with the grass snakes, but they they live together in that small area. And I don't think anyone is ever doing a lot about it because it's on private property for the biggest part. 
but uh, yeah, if it would would be become like a real pest species and uh, take over an area, and other species would get uh, a less good life, then they will probably take them out. So it seems like in general, snakes are in pretty specific pockets they don't have large ranges yeah like is that just fragmented because of like uh like cities and urbanization and stuff like that yeah that's that's exactly the the point yeah that's why it's uh, fragmented yeah and for example like how big is the netherlands and how far did you have to travel to to get where you Uh, that's a good one if i if i would drive i'm somewhere on uh two thirds down so if i would drive two hours south i would be already be in the north of France, mm. so then I just skip Belgium. And if I would go uh, two and a half hours north, then I would be in the most northern point. So, and if I would go one hour east, I would be in Germany. Oh and, wow! Uh, so that that's that's about how how big it is. I think it's just over three hundred kilometers in length, and uh, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, maybe 150 uh from west to east but yeah we do have like uh, around 20 million people so it's uh yeah a lot of villages and a lot of cultivated uh, land so not a lot of nature uh, left anymore yeah now are those adders and the things that you're finding i mean are there you know places where there's mountain ranges or any elevation or what's allowing <laughs> area to not yeah. be like uh, urbanized uh, the the Netherlands is for a big part even uh, below sea level, so we mm. are behind the dikes. Uh, water management is one of our specialties. Eh? Some people uh, say that, but uh, uh, there is land. We even made land like making it dry and put dikes around it, and so we could make more villages. But a big part of the Netherlands is actually below below uh, sea level, and in the south, I think it goes up to three hundred and fifty meters maximum. So they're actually the Netherlands. Yeah, the name says it all. Eh? It's it's very uh, flat. Yeah, it's, <laughs> for me, it's uh, it's ideal to drive around because you don't have a lot of uh, all the roads are fast when you're on the right time of the day. But uh, it's it's boring if you like mountains and stuff like that. Yeah. So, what was kind of the key to finding that that first adder? Uh, um uh, reading on the internet around uh, this that a uh, place that should be a, a good place and I just went there and I had the weather uh, on my side so uh, then I found a couple and it was like uh, oh finally I got one <laughs> I was really happy with it it was like a, uh, not a juvenile it was like two years old I think and uh, mm-hmm. uh, it was really pretty so uh, I never stopped ser- uh, looking for others that's always a treat to see them <coughs> Now, I know in the States, uh, depending on where you live, there's people are very secretive about their spots that they have found certain animals or where they check. Uh, is that the same in the Netherlands or is it very open? Uh, I think some of the places are known by uh, almost uh, everybody. And uh, I, I understand why, why they keep them secretive because uh, yeah, we, we all know stories about uh, an area that you shared with somebody and then you come there and the, the the snake we always see at the same spot is gone and stuff like that and so that happens and uh, the, there is still trade of course and I'm not pretty sure if 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 uh, if there is a trade in the Netherlands with uh, 
like Sipera Bearers or stuff like that. I think if there it should be it, then people are already having it at home and breeding it probably. But uh, sharing places is, I think it's an international worldwide thing. Uh, sometimes you do it with people you trust and most of the time you just say uh, no. Yeah. Yeah, and as far as the, the general attitude towards, you know, things like your adder there, I mean, we have a general hysteria that the general public likes to indulge in as far as venomous snakes. And now you guys only have three snakes and one of them is venomous. So how do people perceive that? I think uh, in, in the Netherlands, it's like when people see uh, an adder, they're like, oh, I saw an adder. It's, it's, it's like you're lucky to finally see mm. something like that in the wild. So it's not... Uh, uh, I think the Netherlands is pretty open on that kind of things. Uh, uh, at one point uh, in their childhood, they probably learned that we have three snakes in uh, the Netherlands, and when they finally see one, they want to know what it is. I think this is, does not go for for all the people in the Netherlands, but the opinion on uh, on uh, snakes and stuff is not really uh, let's kill them all or let's run them over. But uh, if you go. So, more southern uh, Europe then uh, there are many myths about snakes uh, drinking milk from the cows and stuff like that so there are uh, the French farmers they will uh, mostly uh, kill an asp viper uh, straight away on site but it's, that's because they're used to that I guess from from their parents and before that yeah which would be similar to farmers in the United States would react yeah. the same way and you you kind of hinted at some type of weird myth but what is it exactly that they think the snakes do now, I, yeah. I, I think it's it's not really uh, one that's uh, that's only in in europe i think it's it's in more countries in the world it's like snakes i think it's about the the grass snake it's it, it comes from the grass and then it bites in the nipples of the of the cow and it drinks the milk from the cows crazy of course yeah but uh yeah i've never seen it actually which is which is like milk snakes milk snakes are called milk snakes because they thought they did that really really i had no idea i guess i don't know because all they are is king snakes you know they're lamprapelpis but yeah i I don't know why i ever questioned i just assumed they were king (laughs) i mean there's so many silly names for snakes milk snakes corn snakes they're all silly names when you think about it based on myth but right i had no idea interesting yeah but it's like these things i guess people pass down generation after generation yeah i think so too that's uh yeah it's shitty for the snakes but it makes up for some good stories when you're having a beer (laughs) (laughs) so when did you first start i mean outside of your own country as far as like international herping or can it be called that if you're going around europe does it feel like more like we'd be going from state to state rather than like country to country i I think it's uh, for europe it it, it sure feels like a sort of uh, home base even even when uh if i have to go to spain it's it's still more than uh, 1200 uh, kilometers which is like uh 600 uh, no 800 miles uh, so I have to fly there if I want to go there. Or when I go by car, it takes me a long time. So it's it does feel a bit like my own uh, bigger home, Europe. But it's it's not actually. The countries are so different, and people are different in every country. And luckily, the species are different too. So that, that's good. <laughs> where's your yeah? 
where's your favorite place to herp in Europe? Wow, I do have a couple of favorite places. I was uh, really astounded by the mountains in the Montenegro. Uh, really, really cool fibers there and the beauty of the mountains itself. And I do, I'm a big fan of the, the Pyrenees, which are the mountains between uh, France and Spain. And you have like the south side is, is more uh, more hot and the, the north side is more green. And yeah, you have some uh, terrific uh, fibers there. Like asp vipers and uh, seoani vipers. So it uh, seems like you have an interest in vipers. <laughs> yeah, a, li- a little bit, a little bit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> vipers are your thing. And is that the the north side and the south side of the mountain? Are those going to be habitats for a completely different species? Uh, sometimes, sometimes it's uh, if you if you go to the hotter south, then then you have the species that you see in the whole of Spain and uh, on the, the north side, and you have like the species that you see in France. So uh, it is like a, like a, a big barrier between uh, stuff. And uh, there are actually uh, uh, at least five or six endemic species in the, the Pyrenees, like a, a frog, a tree, a mountain li- uh, lizards, and a, a brook uh, salamander. So there are endemics there. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, Right, and it's it's a very beautiful place, and you can have good food, so that's also uh, important. <laughs> yeah, it seems like at least when you read your blog posts, um, they include things like beer, food, <laughs> and stuff like that. So, <laughs> is um is that also part of it? And friends as well. Yeah, fr- friends is a, is a is a big thing, uh, and and having fun is the, there are trips that you just uh, you just search and search and search. <clears throat> And it does. It's it's not good for the for the atmosphere. Uh, and I do. I'm guilty of that myself too. Sometimes, for example, Morocco. If you if you want to go herping in Morocco, then there is only one good way of finding the animals, and that's looking in the water holes, the the, the water systems where they uh, catch the water that falls down, and then they keep oh. it so they have water in drier times. But those are big animal traps. So when you go there, you take a rope ladder and you climb in and out of those things. And that's all you do during the day. So if you're climbing in 200 holes, you have more. You find more animals than if you climb in 100 holes. So I just push the gas all the time. And yeah, <laughs> last time it's uh, it was not always funny, <laughs> but we did find a lot of animals. So, Wait, so would you get like a lot of dead animals at the bottom of those? Oh holes? yes, mm. definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. How big are these? I'm trying to imagine it. How big are these holes that you're climbing into? It's uh, It depends from... Uh, uh, sometimes the, the, the inside is like like a small living room. And uh, mm. then you have... Before that, there's like a big concrete uh, open thing, which is like two, two to two and a half meters deep and like uh, two meters wide and then round. And so they can fall in that and then they can fall in other things. And But they're all traps and... Yeah. That's so interesting. And is that something that negatively negatively impacts the wildlife there significantly? Uh, I don't really think that it has a lot of uh yeah. The the areas are so big and and fast it's, it's yeah, then the animals that live close to the road yeah, they they might fall in and die many times, but we keep we keep finding them there, so they're probably uh, lots of them. Right. So, so it's not a super remote area as it is. Yeah, so. It is it is like uh the the best way to, to see those animals there and on the other hand you say like oh we have to, we save the animals, but yeah. 
So when we're also happy one, that the, the holes are there because then now we can see them. So when you find ones that are alive there, are you taking them out of the holes? Yes, yes, yes. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so, then we release them again. So you're climb you have to climb the rope back up with a snake? Oh yeah. You could you can bag them down and with the rope uh, get them up by the other person. It's not something you should do alone, I think. You should always be with two persons and be careful because there could also be a cobra inside. So it's not really a smart one man job. It's uh you should be with more than one. <laughs> so have you ever gotten in a interesting situation close quarters with a cobra in that situation no the, the cobras i i saw were only like uh, 50 centimeters like uh, 20 inches long so that's i can handle those that's uh that was that was all right but yeah some people do find them which are like two meters and then uh it's a different ball game if you want to hold the snake and climb up a rope ladder then uh, that's not smart what is it what's kind of your philosophy on when you find venomous animals in the wild, I mean, what is your approach? Um, my approach is uh, try to be safe. Uh, and so no, my hands not really close to the animal. Uh, but I, I always, I must admit that sometimes you get sloppy. So, uh, and for me, it's always, the, I get sloppier when I, I'm around species that are not really that venomous, like the European vipers, except for a couple. The, then and uh, yeah, I'm sloppier than than and with with like the the bigger, um, the more dangerous uh, snakes. I'm really uh, careful. Do you use the uh, the tube method? Or no, I don't or anything. Yeah. No, I I always have my tweezers with me and and some gloves for for small vipers and uh, but the tweezers they work perfectly fine and. <clears throat> And otherwise, just a, a little hook for uh, getting them into a bag, and just take your time if you want to get them in the bag and get them up from a water hole or from any other place. Uh, taking the time is, uh, yeah. Is it actually more dangerous with those little guys? I mean, just grabbing a hold of. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I think the 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 European fibers are really predictable if you. If they crawl away and you would uh, take them by the tail and you'd be gentle with them, then they're most of the time, uh, most of the time, not able to, to get up with their head to your hands because they're a little heavy bodied and they're not really muscular. So, uh, so yeah, then it's, then it's even possible to catch them with your, uh, yeah, with your hands, but it's not advisable, of course. And uh, if it goes wrong, you, you just have a very big, fat, hurting hand. And uh, yeah, I think uh, most of us uh, already know how, how this feels. But, yeah. So you've gotten bit? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Oh yeah, it's yeah. I I did get get bitten sometimes, and uh, you learn from it. That's that's my thing. But it's it's it, uh, for example, in in Spain, I was with my uh, with my daughter catching uh, little water snakes at the brook, and I had no idea that there would be uh, the the Iberian viper is Vipera uh, latasti. They're actually pretty rare and also isolated populations. And suddenly I saw a little li lizard running and there was something going after it. And it was like an, uh, maybe five or six inch long uh, juvenile of a viper. And I was I was not even wearing my flip-flops. I was just in my shorts and there was nothing there. So I took a little, little branch and 
tried it, so it nicked me on the on the finger, and uh, yeah, yeah. Then my daughter had to tell my uh, <laughs> my wife, and she said, uh, "Then you got bitten." <laughs> and then, then I had a big hand, but yeah, sometimes you're just in uh, circumstances, then you don't have time to get a little something to uh, you just, but you want to see the fiber, so right. And then then you take you take a, a risk that is. Uh, you know, you know, it's a big chance that you get bitten in the hands, and uh, those those risks I would never take with a, yeah, with a like example for a vipera amuditis. I would never do it with that because that's uh, they're a lot more potent, and you get in trouble. But with that bite, did you just get localized swelling, and then everything went back to normal? Yeah, yeah, a couple of days of uh, hurting hands and hurting my arm and. Yeah, it it was getting back to normal pretty fast. So, what did your daughter think of this whole ordeal? Yeah, uh, she uh, she still talks about it because so. <laughs> I think that's and either terrifying or like cool. I don't know. There's a few ways she can. Yeah, say. It's, it's five years ago, and she's twelve now. So, uh, but she still talks about it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> She'll remember that forever. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And is that something that you've got her interested in, or does she show any interest towards it? Oh yeah, the, I have three kids, and they uh, they do like to uh, to get to go with me and search, but it's only for a short period of time, and then they want to do something else, of course, because they're kids. <laughs> and, yeah, but sometimes you just have to listen, and they have to walk, and then we search for a little bit longer. But uh, yeah, you have to give and uh, and take sometimes. So, but they do like it. Yeah. They they are really disappointed if we are, for example, we were on a campsite in Spain uh, this summer, and then my uh, my youngest son, he's three, and he said, I said, I have to go to bed. He said, we didn't search for geckos yet tonight, uh, and yeah, there were geckos on the on the campsite, so uh, we had to do uh, twenty minutes of gecko searching, mm-hmm. and then we found a seven, and then he goes to sleep. So it's it's kind of fun, but I don't expect them to. Uh, to be my uh, future uh, herping buddies uh, or something <laughs> like that. They, they can do what they want. Yeah. How do you first, speaking of that, I guess people, you know, there's so many of us that are kind of isolated herpers, whether or not, you know, they may go by themselves, but how did you kind of find friends to do it with? Hmm. Um, yeah, I think, I think uh, the, the, at the time that the internet went bigger and bigger than you, Start, then you find out that there are people who have the same uh, sort of uh, yeah thing as you have, and then yeah, then you find out that they're also living in the Netherlands. And uh, some of my uh, best friends now are uh, are herping friends. And uh, yeah, if we go on a trip together, it's not only uh, it's that we find nice animals, but we also have a lot of fun. So yeah, I think the the internet is the big starter of all the. Yeah, all the meeting of, of other people, and not only from from Europe, or but also uh, also from the states and uh, Central America. Actually, everywhere we go, we meet new people, and uh, some you do really have a good uh, connection with, and then uh, sometimes you uh, you try to meet up more and do other trips. Are there parts of Europe where it's a very like high population? Do you feel of herpers and people interested in that? Hmm. that's a good question i do have the feeling now that in the last five years that there's like a 
explosion of young uh, herpers. And uh, they also do big stuff straight away because it's all very accessible now. And when, when we did it, it was like uh, we were searching for the spots and now all those spots are getting more known and people just go there and they, they search for the Viper and they go. It's like sort of a... Yeah, sort of, yeah, sort of a race. It looks like, that. Mm. And, uh, yeah. And yeah, I'm sure it's, it's a lot the, easier. It's. I think for them, it's much easier now because there's so much information about uh, where to get uh, the stuff. And, uh, for if, if if you talk about Morocco like uh, 12 years ago, nobody knew where to find the animals, and until uh, a Spanish guy. Uh, went to Israel and searched for the in the water holes there, the ancient water holes and found snakes. And he said, Oh, let's try it in Morocco too. And then uh, lots of good stuff came uh, came up. So yeah, now it's all everybody knows where those holes are and it's almost like you're driving in a train and sometimes of the year uh, and you have to be the first at the holes. So Oh so now yeah. you're actually competing with other herpers. I, I think uh, things like that uh, can happen if you go to Morocco. But it, it's already a thing in the States, like it, right? If you uh, go road cruising and there are other guys on the road. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And it's like everyone's trying. There's an influx of people posting stuff on Instagram and trying to get to different spots. And we've seen what seems like the same exact animal from like two different Instagram people who are on different trips. Like, yep. I think people back are back. definitely sharing the same spots. And I think, oh, you know, yeah. I, I think some people are kind of pissed off about it. And some people are, you know, glad that there's other people into it. Yeah, uh, I think uh, it's it's the same same again with sharing the the, the stuff. Uh, for me, it's um, I do do get a lot of questions about, uh, hey, I'm going there and uh, where, where, where should I look for that species? And where should I look for that species? And sometimes I just answer a couple of them, but they always keep asking and they want to know more mm -hmm. and more. And, uh, and then I always say, hey, uh, you feel much better if you find somebody, something that you search for yourself. So maybe in that area, you should look for suitable habitat and then maybe you find it yourself. But yeah, I guess there's just as much opportunity to kind of break new ground and find your own. I mean, yeah. there's always range maps being extended, even here in the United States. People find things where we didn't know they were previously Bull snakes and <laughs> things well, like yeah, that exactly. yeah, they, yeah. maybe a more natural occurrence yeah. but they like swimming <laughs> so it's like yeah it's there's still new things to find out if we keep on just searching the same places we often i suppose get the same results and you know uh people we've had on in the past in the podcast talk about like well it also depends on what time of year you're going you know like or oh, that the, if the, the weather that day or everything like that and it's like just because you went on the trip at this time doesn't mean you won't find it like next week and that's kind of depressing to tell people like just keep looking like just keep looking but it's true it's you know you might not find it then but come back a month later or come back after a storm or something like that and you might find it then well yeah, and how do you how do you manage to like do all this planning and then the weather goes <laughs> one it way or another <laughs> and then you're screwed? Yeah, that's uh, something you should yeah take take it like a man. Uh, if you don't, if the weather sucks, then then it's gone. Yeah, then then the opportunity is gone, and then you have to try it again. And if you are often in montane areas, then yeah, you're used to getting uh, bad weather every now and again. So yeah, it, those things can happen. Yeah. 
do the same things that happen on like our peaks here? I mean, things like lightning storms and stuff like that. Does that happen over there? Uh, no, it's. I I think uh, it that it's the, the activity here uh, does a lot less uh, when we have weather like that. If you, yeah, I I, I went 2017. I went with some uh, American guys to to Arizona and then into Mexico to Sonora and Coahuila and oh, it was one big fest of finding snakes. We saw like 60 species of snake, which is really not normal. And it. The weather there is is everything, and in 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 Europe, it's more like um, for vipers. If you have like clouded clouded weather, when the sun tries to get through, then you have you have like a, a bingo bingo day. But uh, if it's too hot or too cold, then you just don't see them. Maybe you can flip them if you're lucky, but that's it. And thunderstorms—they're not really doing a lot here. Ooh. I think they do things with the activity, but not much for snakes. Uh, it's but. I, yeah, the climate is different too. I think. I think if you are in, in the south of Europe, then it might be uh, different, and especially for amphibians. If you want to see amphibians, then we always in in Spain, and we uh, we like to go in the winter because if it's raining, then then you have a lot of temporary ponds, and all the 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 frogs are breeding, and those are animals you will never find in summer, never. So yeah, the weather does things here but it's it's different than uh than in uh, in the states for sure yeah and how i guess the the other part of this whole herping hobby is taking pictures of things that you find and you take great pictures of all the animals you find Thank so how do you get into that aspect of her ah uh, yeah um yeah, taking pictures was something i always like to do so uh yeah then from one things uh uh, you go to another and then uh, yeah you'd like to have a picture as good as possible and uh yeah like every herper will say oh it's always the best if you have a nice in situ picture but we all know that it's it's not always possible and for some snakes it's even almost impossible to make a normal picture because they always keep moving so it can be uh, a shitty job to take a picture but I must admit, when I'm in a, in a, a country like uh, like Morocco and you want to check the holes and you want to put all your time in that, then the photography goes down. Then I'm very happy uh, <laughs> with a, a bad picture. Then uh, so, but uh, yeah, it's I, I'm all I'm more satisfied if I if I come home and I look at the pictures and uh, I think, oh, that's a nice picture. Yeah, so it's. It's an important part of the, the herping. But is the main function just basically to document what you found? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, it, if a picture would be nice, then then it's it's like a bonus. Right. Yeah. And what first got you onto Instagram and posting your pictures up there? Well, I think uh, some of my uh, colleagues were already uh, on Instagram. I think it was 2016 or something like that. And uh, they were just doing stupid things there. And I thought, oh, let's try it also. And, yeah. And then, then you, I mean, you've been maintaining your site much longer than that. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You start I, doing that. I, I think I, I made a site in 2012 or something like that. Yeah, and then I uh, try to make uh, mm -hmm. 
all the trips that I did after I went digital with my camera and made a short report uh, about it. But I must admit, last year I did not make any report yet, so I still have to uh, finish some of those, like uh, Georgia, Georgia in the in Asia and uh, uh, Turkey, which was an awesome trip. All the mountain vibes there are awesome, and uh, Costa Rica we've been in the summer, and Morocco we've done. So I do have some catching up to do with uh, with the reports. Wow, and you've done an amazing amount of traveling. I mean, how do you, with living a normal life, how do you get how out do you have that the time for all this? Travel, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that's yeah, it's I do my holidays are, are most of the time uh, used for for doing that, and uh, even when I'm with my family, I can do some herping every now and again, and. Yeah, then it, for other people, it looks like I've been herping all day, every day, but uh, it doesn't. But yeah, other trips are just, yeah, herping, herping, herping. And then, yeah, it, I just use the, the holidays I get from my, uh, from my boss. So that's, that's all I can, I can do. If you don't mind us asking, what do you do for work? Uh, I am um, working with the, the Netherlands uh, Marine Corps. And, but currently, I am uh, in a function to uh, teach in a school for uh, young people who want to join the, the military, the Dutch military. And uh, they're still a little bit too young to enter straight away. So they can do uh, education and get a certain uh, degree. And, and they also get like uh, basic uh, military basic skills. So they already can taste a little bit of what their future can be like and uh, I'm an instructor there now it's actually a lot of fun but uh, those 16 year olds are a handful <laughs> so that's like the, R- the ROTC that's what I was thinking what does ROTC stand for I always oh, say it man. but I never I'm, know what it's saying yes <laughs> I should look that up so ROTC is like what a lot of people in high school and college do before they are ready to join the military all it's right reserve officers training corps all right. And then um, when I know when when I was in the army, we always had guys in it always seemed like crazy colored uniforms. They're training, doing in, in small groups and stuff, learning from us. So were you able to do any, you know, training around the world? Did that aid in your travel at all? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh, the, the places I've been to with my uh, work. Um, I did see some good stuff, but I never were, uh, yeah, I can't put all my energy into herping uh, uh, when, I, when I'm away because uh, the training goes first. And so, But I did see some nice stuff. For example, uh, Camp Lejeune in, uh, in the States and uh, uh, Camp Wilson at uh, 29 Palms, like sidewinders all over the place. And uh, yeah. Good stuff. Been to Africa in in charts, and then you accidentally find a snake, and so then you have to uh, make photos. That's how the that's how it works. Yeah, I don't know if people realize. At least here in the states, some of our most preserved lands are actually military, military bases. bases. So, say like Fort Polk, Louisiana, has Louisiana pine snakes and gopher tortoises. And it's like when we were out in the field, you find you find animals because it's a lot of 
even if it's something where we shoot 50 cal rounds down all day, <laughs> still animals live there. I mean, I mean and there's rare still not animals. a million houses being built or cars, too many right, cars, you know, there's guns and bullets and stuff, but it's still yeah. land. Yeah, this, uh, those places are perfect for snakes. Probably if you have the shooting ranges, then there's a lot of rubbish around, like plates and stuff and pieces of boards or, yeah, they use that, so. Yeah, and I saw I saw your post from North Carolina, and it seemed like, you know, you acted like you didn't have a lot of time to hurt, but I feel like you hit pretty much all the major animals <laughs> that you in that area. I mean, you yeah. found them all. Yeah, it's, that, uh, that's already 11 years ago, I think. That's, uh, it, it was a good training, and we did have some time just to do a little bit of walking around. And, uh, yeah, it, it was good. And uh, I think it was even on the on, on the base when you walked from our barracks to the to the PX store. And there was a little lake, and I always said, oh, there are snakes there. So I walked around, and there were many uh, red-bellied water snakes. And uh, I think... Uh, Pontarophis obsoleta, uh, the, what was there too? The, let me see. Yeah, the, the black racers, of course. And, uh, mm-hmm. the, the one I can't think of them. That's always the thing when I'm talking, thinking in English and I can't find the, I, he Ar- knows lots of the Latin Ar- names. Archistrodon, the, the, Archistrodon, the, not the other one. Yeah, the other one, the, the the one that looks like leaves. Yeah, yeah, the cover. That was just just next to the next to the trail. So, yeah. When you go to new places, do you prefer to go in completely blind and just kind of like walk around, or do you prefer to do a little bit of research to what some people posted uh, about it? Yeah, I do. Um, it depends on where I go, but I always like to do a lot of research. Yeah, to to find to. Yeah, to don't waste a lot of time and uh, yeah, to try to be as successful as possible. Yeah, and most places you go, some friends already been there, so you can uh, always ask them. And yeah, there are always friends who who do share, of course, because you're already friends for a long time. And yeah, it is. Uh, it, it it is. I must admit, it, it feels so much better when you're in a new area and you find something really cool. It, it But yeah, it's it's not like I have all year, even if you, you guys think that I'm going on trips all year, but I don't. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's, if, it, if it's just a hobby and not your work or you're not a researcher or in the field for months, then, then, then it's, yeah, it's too much fuss to just go uh and search in the wild just search wherever you think you right. just want to see the animals most of the time so that's that's your goal and try to reach that as uh as easy as possible even if it's not easy uh, most of the time yeah. right <laughs> but easier than going in blind yeah it's if you like last spring we were in turkey and uh, Turkey. Now, nah, if you if, if you ever have the chance, just go there. It's the the country. I think we 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 almost never came below uh, one thousand meters. So it's all very oh. uh, montane. And uh, on the higher parts, they have like uh, they have like many species of viper, like uh, the the mountain vipers, Montivipera and and vipera, and all the areas where you can find them are really beautiful areas. They're all uh, mountain area, area so you 
yeah, we were in a, for uh, like two weeks, and we were just two weeks in beautiful, beautiful habitats. And some places were uh, like wild guesses where we were searching, and other were with some good help from friends. But we were we got pretty lucky there with uh, finding uh, all the Montevipera species we wanted to see, and uh, almost all the Vipera species we wanted to see. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, amazing and, country. Uh, was that a lot of, I mean, covering ground on foot, or do you do road cruising or whatever the equivalent would be to that? Uh, I think it was like six thousand three hundred kilometers of driving because wow. they don't they, they don't live in the same area most of the time. Especially the if you go to the Monte Viperas, they're all uh, from different areas, and if you have like uh, I'm, not, I'm not you're probably you're snake so you're probably familiar with the Montevipera uh, genus it's like uh, the Ottoman viper and it's also living on Greek island so we first went to a Greek island and uh, it's supposed to be the island where they are the biggest and we found a, a male and a female and the, the male was like one meter ten that's like a really big viper for for us mm. for, for Europeans and uh, the the female was almost a meter, so also a big viper. And then we went to the mainland, and we took a flight to uh, Trabzon, which is in the the northeast of uh, of Turkey. And that's a really green, rainy, shitty weather area. But you do have some some really uh, nice uh, vipers, like the the Vipera kasnakovi, which is like a very popular uh, snake in uh, for viper lovers uh, who keep vipers at home. But they're only in a really extreme small area in the northeast of Turkey. And uh, according to my friends who already been there, it's like a really shitty area to uh, interact with the locals. And if they know you're searching for snakes, they will call the police and stuff like that. So we were really, when we when we went there, we were really a bit worried about uh, what's going to happen. And uh, uh, actually nothing happened. We only had good, <laughs> good contact with those people. And... Uh, I think it's just uh, the other guys uh, being not able to talk to uh, foreign people uh, the way we did. So I blame them. <laughs> that was actually yeah. my next question about uh, interactions you've had with law enforcement in your different uh, travels. <laughs> I do have a good story about that. We um, we we spent a night in jail once in uh, in Greece <laughs> because we were on the I think it was the Nestos Delta. Yeah, it's 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 a delta of a river. That's the border between Turkey and Greece. And it was just at the time that all the the fugitives, so the the, the people from Syria, were trying to get into yeah. Europe and stuff like that. Now it was before that. It was way before that. But that area, uh, we went in there. It was good for a certain frog, and we were photographing three frogs. And then we saw like a big police car with the lights on on the. So we think, oh, let's say hi and let's have a chat and. The minute we walked up to the car, we saw them taking a step back and just looking really worried. Like, oh, okay, what's happening here? But it's that area is supposed to be an area where uh, traffickers uh, used to get a lot of people over the border. So they actually thought we were trafficking people into uh, Europe, which we were not because we were taking pictures of, of uh, tree frogs. <laughs> and even we had like a thousand pictures of snakes and frogs and other shit. Uh, per person on our cameras, they right. did not believe us. So we went from there. We uh, uh, we went uh, to the police station. Uh, 
people were called. It was in the middle of the night, out of the bed. Some we got uh, interrogated separately, and everybody told exactly the same stories. And then uh, we had to stay inside the police station. They didn't really lock us up, but yeah, the door was closed uh, <laughs> at the, at uh, the entrance of the police station. But we could rock around free then and. The next morning, uh, other guys came, and the guys who were there in the police station, they they knew our story, so they believed us, and we just talked with them. We had a lot of fun, and then the other shift came in, and we were treated like like criminals. So there was a, there were guys, uh, and they had to take our fingerprints, and they were all like the little annoying guys who <laughs> had the bad jobs, and they were pulling my finger, and I almost um, did some not so pleasant things to that guy, but just, so I kept it with some nasty words. And then we uh, had it. Uh, we have had to go into court. Yeah, we we had to go into court, and there was a a, bit, a lady who tried to get us. Uh, yeah, they, she really wanted to punish us for what we did. But for we did taking pictures, nothing. yeah, right. for taking pictures. But it it was the area was supposed to be a a, a no go area. Um, there were all military towers were there, but during the day there were like many greek families riding around on uh, on motorcycles and uh, having a barbecue but at night there was nothing nobody there but only us so um and then she 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 really tried to give us a punishment for that and uh but uh, the the jury just said no they they're nature lovers they can't do anything else and then she started to uh to get really angry to the police officers that they didn't do a, uh, enough to get us convicted. <laughs> uh, we had a lot of fun that day, that day but uh, <laughs> wait, that, so you had to go through like an actual trial. That happened so see. fast. I feel like it, 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 it was it was a really it was a good good way of uh, um, yeah one night in prison and then in the morning the trial and then we could go. But the the the, the best part of it is that meanwhile my my girlfriend was not on the on the trip with me and uh, she was flying to uh, Thessaloniki. Which was like at four hundred kilometers away, and I should uh, picked her up around one in the afternoon. But around twelve, we got uh, released from the police station. Uh-oh. And then we had to get back to our car, and then I could pick her up. So I picked her up like six hours later, <laughs> and uh, she was a bit angry, but uh, <laughs> she uh, she un- understood lately later after I told the story. <laughs> yeah, we had a good <laughs> yeah. reason. Yeah, we had a good reason. Yeah, and and. Uh, the, the 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 Greek newspapers were full of uh, the stories about us. So uh, uh, some friends from Greek all send the links to the to the the stories in the newspaper. It was quite funny. I think those links are still in one of the reports. No way. Uh, yeah, in 2013 uh, trip to Greece. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of fun. That seems yeah. like that's probably one of the last places I would assume that you would get arrested. Yeah, I thought more the honest. Middle East or, you know. Yeah, I, I do have, um, uh, there are places, yeah, there was, I think my girlfriend once said uh, bitch to a customs lady at, in Israel. That, that didn't turn out so good. But uh, she was really being uh, not really polite. Uh, I'll turn the lights on uh, in my room, and uh, so that I had to talk like forty-five minutes to the guys that uh, she was pregnant at the time, and that, that she did say it out of emotions, and it was not really meant to be like that. But I also said that uh, their employee was really not uh, being nice to us. So uh, 
that I actually thought that bitch would was a nice word for that woman. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the, yeah, but we we could go into the country then. But yeah, and and for other places in Israel, when we herb there, you you herb lots of times close to the border with Egypt, close to the border with Jordan, and, and there are also a lot of military controls there. So you meet a lot of military and police there at night and. Most of the time, you can just explain what you're doing, and they're like, "Oh, you're crazy! Snakes are dangerous." <laughs> <laughs> but and, they uh, let you go. Yeah, they let you do your thing and just just say, "Okay, just don't go behind that that uh, that gate, or don't go there." That's that's just what they do. And uh, yeah, there's not a lot of trouble. Yeah, in Morocco, the problem in Morocco is that the police is always trying to fine you for lots of things. So you have to. If there is a stopping stripe even in the middle of the road without any reason, just stop because around the corner there's a policeman watching. And to get so you. So you, you have to get used to that and then you can uh, drive through Morocco without paying a lot of extra money. So Is it kind of like, do they not like outsiders or do they just want to, they know you may have some money and... Yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. There? Yeah, and uh, I think that the king of Morocco changed some rules, so it's not easy anymore for them to uh, to give you a fine and uh, take the money themselves. And I always say, okay, you can fine me, but you have to write an original ticket. And if then most of the time they say, hey, Hassan, let them go, and then uh, then we can go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, sometimes you just get the fine, but then it's not so high as they try to uh, make you pay. So they're kind of, yeah, they're kind of depending on dumb tourists to just give them basically directly. I think, I think in the, in the, uh, it was like that. Yeah. It's, it's getting better now. Definitely. Yeah. And even there we have lots of good, good talks too with the, with the, with the police. And, uh, as long as you can understand each other a little bit, it's, 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 it's all right. Yeah. Did you speak any bit of the ah, same language? My question, yes. I was about to ask, how many languages do you speak? <laughs> oh, for me, it's uh, it's, it's English and, and uh, Dutch and a little bit of German and a little bit of French and a couple of Spanish words. And yeah, then that that's about it. So in, in, in Morocco, uh, sometimes we were lucky that we had somebody with us who, who was French. So then, then it's it's a lot easier straight away. And uh, yeah, and if it's not easy, then yeah, you just have to uh, do uh, this all the time. Uh, yeah, <laughs> don't know. <laughs> Pretend to be the really stupid tourist, <laughs> right? And how did that, as far as like the communication, how does that serve you in, say, like the Greece situation? Oh, uh, uh, not now. That that didn't. It, it was um, the the guys who were arrested. It was it was certain that they, after a while, they 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 knew that we were talking the truth. But they got orders that now we have to take him to the station. And other people came, and uh, there were other people just making decisions about us. Then, and it, they would have let us go, uh, maybe after ten minutes. But other people told them that we had to uh, go there. So. That was not really uh, easy to talking uh, with them. And uh, the next day, when we got to court, and there was a, like a, a young uh, police officer who was just uh, in civilian clothing uh, who talked to us, and he said, "Oh yeah, it's going to be a little bit of this and that." And 
he, he knew what we was talking about and he said no it's going to be all right and uh, yeah not one of those stressful uh, idiots yeah was there any one country i mean that you felt actually in danger at any point or one that you wouldn't ever go back to again <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, I think I never felt in danger anywhere. Uh, no, not not really. I I did I did have a lot of time in Mexico in the in the Sierra Madre, and of course there are many 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 stories about that. But it was just having a a really good time there and meeting lots of nice people. We slept at the 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 father of the the church there which was an american uh, who lived for 27 years already in that uh, mountain city and uh, nah, we, we slept inside the church we took the the, the the venomous snakes into the church to photograph there, and then that was really cool wow yeah. i'm surprised they let you do that yeah it's just a guy who was really in, interested in nature also and uh he was doing projects projects with with children in the in the area and teach them about the snakes they can meet and just give them some uh, minor information about what good they would do for the environment and why it's not always good to cut the head off and uh, so he was uh, one of the american guys made contact with him and so we got to uh, meet him and he offered us a place to sleep so we slept slept there for i think four nights and uh, it was really cool the, but uh, that's also an area where lots of things happen. So uh, at one time, we at one point we went into a valley and we had to go by uh, a guy and it was his name was Don something, and uh, he was all the jokes he made was with a pistol. Uh, he made a pistol out of his hand and say po po po. I was really funny guy, but it was it was. Uh, well, he said when you walk there, don't go over the the hill, don't go past that river, don't go there, don't go there. So. He gave us a lot of restrictions to stay in that valley because there are probably a lot of uh, plants on the other side which are good for his uh, wallet and uh, maybe not so good for us to know where they are. <laughs> so were you led? Was there like are these guided trips in any way or how did you guys arrange, say, this trip to Mexico? Uh, I think uh, the guys I went with uh, go to Mexico a lot, so they already had a lot of information on. Uh, they already been to to those areas uh, many times, and uh, and they 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 always uh, they, they they always do it the smart way. They they try to meet local people who are interested in the same, and then you take them along. And if you end up in any situation. Uh, then they might be able to help you uh, a little bit better than when you're just with uh, uh, yeah not native people there. Yeah, the the the, the thing the, the people you just have to be careful with in Mexico is the the police. I think yeah they can uh, they can mess up your uh, your trip. So do you have to bring I mean a certain amount of bribe money to make them happy or I <laughs> know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, some of them uh, try to uh, to to uh, to make uh, one of the cars. We we were with quite a group to follow them. Them and they said, "Hey, we have to go into the station." But they drove out of town into a little uh, uh, little road in the in the middle of nowhere. So the one of our the guys we were with, 
they just uh, turn the car around as fast as possible and hit the gas and uh, and uh, drove away. So they did. They try to rob you or fine you for something that you didn't do. Or they are, yeah, you know, they they like money. I think. <laughs> <laughs> and what was the uh, what was the herping like in in Mexico in that area of Mexico? Uh, awesome, really awesome. Yeah. I saw so many, so many species. I could only dream of, or only saw them from the the children books that I had, and uh, and other coral snakes, uh, many species of of uh, rattlesnake, uh, yeah, dry macon, all that magical stuff. Uh, really, really awesome to uh, to be there. Yeah, and the the scenery is great. The food is food is good. Except for one night, but yeah. But it's, we still uh, found a lot of snakes that night. The the, the dry marcon is that's there. Um, which species is that? Wow, uh, it's it's black. Is it? I think it's Melanurus. Tail or? But I think it's black-tailed cribo. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really sure. Let me see. I want to say Rubius, but I may be wrong. It's 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 almost black, but I I think. Meanwhile, I'm trying to find it. But you ended up finding one on that trip? No, some other guys did. We were with quite a big group, and everybody brought their animals to uh, to the place we stayed. And then we had like a big uh, show of uh, all the animals we saw. Really awesome. So you basically like all went out, came back with bags, and then showed what you caught for the day? Yeah, yeah. That was uh, what we did then. It was really cool. Yeah, for me it was like seeing so many species I could only dream of, and uh, yeah, really, on all, really nice. On all the trips you've gone on and like with the people you've gone with, do you think it's a universal understanding uh, to leave these animals in nature when you're done, or do you frequently or not so frequently meet those people who kind of want to take everything back with them? I think it's a uh, it's a uh, it's very different. Uh, for uh, for example, in the in, in the states, it's uh, with certain species, people are allowed to have like a couple of them of uh, at home. So uh, yeah, you also meet people who uh, then we find a nice animal and and they want to take it home. And for me, it's uh, yeah, I'm I don't I don't really like it myself, but uh, yeah, it is it is the way it is and. Yeah, it's, it's, those things happen because of the rules of the country most of the time. So, In the Netherlands, I'm assuming you're not – are you allowed to take any? No. No, all the, the snakes in the Netherlands are protected. So uh, you probably only uh, uh, are allowed to keep the, the bull snake from the dunes <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the Russian one. <clears throat> uh, let me see. Do you have any restrictions on private keeping there? Species uh, yeah, I don't. I, f I think you have uh, rules, but I'm not re uh, really familiar with them. If you want to keep venomous snakes and uh, certain species, uh, I think you need to have papers for them. So, uh, but yeah, that's not really my thing. So, I'm not professional in that in that way. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever? Uh, return to private keeping? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, no. 
it's just uh, I'm uh, sometimes a lot of t longer away from home, and I don't want other people to take care of my uh, my stuff. So uh, I, I just like my cat, which is uh, <laughs> here. His name is his name is Bossy, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that's all I have. And when he decides to live somewhere else, I'm happy with it too, and uh, I won't take another one. And as far as uh, talking about far away from home, I want to talk a little bit Central America, South America. So I know, I mean, a very common Herper's dream, especially for someone who's interested in amphibians and frogs, uh, Costa Rica. Your dream. You're doing this because you want to go to Costa Rica. Well, yeah, but I feel like that is <laughs> I feel like that is where most of the Herpers in the United States start as far as their first international trip is typically to Costa Rica. And so, can you talk a little bit of your experience of uh, herping uh, Costa Rica? Yeah, now Costa Rica for it, it for herping it it is like ideal. It's relatively safe and it's uh, not really expensive to go there most of the time. And uh, you have many places where you can you can herp. I was there first in 2015 with my family, and then every night after the kids went to bed, I uh, did another around and i found many 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 nice stuff many good animals and uh 2017 i went again and on, on the second time you just try to concentrate on species you really want to see so i uh did go for the glass frogs and uh tripion spinosis the, the 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 big tree frog which is like chocolate brown with the spines uh, in his neck and uh the last time we had like uh, a big list of animals that are uh, really hard to find and uh, or are almost never found by others so we had like a more specific uh, uh, trip and uh, we made contact with uh, with Costa Rican herpers and um, most of them are also guides so it, it works a little, little bit different in Costa Rica than if you go to other places where you have like friends or people you just meet and you you herp with them together for two days. When in Costa Rica, there, it's it's their income. So if you want to herp with a guy, then it's gonna cost you money. It's it's probably because uh, all the Americans use uh, Costa Rica as a very nice touristic uh, thing. But uh, yeah, that's, be, like that's, that's between us. <laughs> so, so yeah, they really yeah, they're, they're used to getting money for all the, those kind of things. So for me, that's not really the way I like to her because I, I like to make friends and uh, if they want to ever come to the Netherlands and see that one snake species uh, here <laughs> and then they're always welcome or and uh, yeah I'm not really into that thing thing but but this time we just for the the rare species we wanted to find we, we needed uh, some some guys to uh, to do that so so we we teamed up with uh, with really uh, some really nice nice guys that I already met or met through the internet and we went to places that uh, they not even uh, you cannot really go there yourself because it's like a big private area and for example for the Atalopus uh, so it's like a big private area owned I think by an American but it's if you want to go there then uh, you have to know the, one of those guys and then you have to ask for permission to enter the area and then they ask you what you're gonna do ah we're gonna go birding yes of course we went birding <laughs> and uh, we and then we, we, we did find the uh, Atalopus toad, mm. so they are still there. And uh, one of them was dying, so mm. 
the the fungus problems are are not gone and uh, that's sad to see but it's always good to see that you also find a really uh, happy uh, alive strong animal and uh, yeah we were happy that we we saw a lot of stuff that we uh, never saw before and uh, yeah the stuff we really wanted to see like example the atropoidus picadoi it's like uh, the the jumping viper, but then it's more from the higher uh, higher regions. How did I know it's going to be another viper? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> maybe I should talk more about amphibians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, we just accidentally found the viper because we were looking for a, a very uh, glass rock we already saw ten times. So uh, <laughs> now it was uh, that that's a, a viper. You know, you don't even if you look on iNaturalist, for example, there was like one one record of that and and there are not many pictures you find on the internet so i wanted to find that one and then i I, we met a guy was a christian and he is like uh, in the area and he uh, has contact with a lot of farmers who uh who used to kill snakes and now they give him a call and they they think it was a feather lance that they killed but uh, they're Mm. yeah it was like between uh, 1600 and uh, 1900 meters that they have their farm and Christian said, "Like, oh, I want to see those snakes because I don't think it's fair long. And then that—that's how he found out that those were the the ones that I wanted to see. So uh, we were actually uh, lucky enough to uh, to witness uh, to pick one up at a farm and uh, release it uh, at another place. But the fiber was awesome. Yeah. What great timing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was." And it also goes to show you the whole like connections thing, having connections there as well as getting out of just the regular like eco lodge trails that most Mm -hmm. people are probably going in and going somewhere that's just largely. And and those are not not bad either. If you look like there are like groups of Americans, they go every time to the same hotel and they they find like lots of uh, things. But if you if you look at those lists, the list is always the same species, and sometimes they find one that's a, a little a bit more rare. Or, yeah, I also wanna if you if you wanna see more of Costa Rica, then you have to visit more areas. Uh, we also went to the to San Vito, which is close to the Panama border, and uh, the, you can you can find other stuff again. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's yeah, like I already said, the good thing about Costa Rica is. That it's such a free and open country, and you can go almost anywhere. And uh, the rivers are uh, are property of the state, so you're uh, even if it's private territory, you're allowed to uh, walk upstream to the rivers. Mm-hmm. Now, that is of course like the best place to walk upstream <laughs> if you want to find some animals. So, yeah, it's an ideal country to uh, to herb and. On the other hand, you also hear a lot like oh, Costa Rica. It's it's not for real herpers. It's too uh, too easy. And uh, but it, it's not uh, all the animals we found. It's just because we 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 were all night walking around until we almost uh, dropped. So it's still hard work, but you do you can see a lot, especially if you go to a couple of places. One of the best places, if if you ever go, go to uh, Costa Rican uh, Amphibian Research Center. From Brian Kubicki, it's uh, uh, it's awesome. He can show you so many nice amphibians. He's not really a viper guy, so <laughs> it's, it's strange why I like him. But it, it's it's an awesome place. If you have the chance, go there. And uh, there are many, many, many other uh, cool spots. 
And is it common? I mean, are you mostly at night flashlights and are you herping mostly at night in Costa Rica? Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, because it's yeah the activity starts when it gets dark, and uh, you do you, you can find some diurnal species, and uh, yeah, that's what you do. But if you do like like three and a half weeks in a row, then most of the time during the day you're not doing much anymore. It's like uh, <coughs> sleeping a bit, and uh, yeah, yeah, trying to do as much as possible at night doing yeah. the photo- photography during the day and just uh, relax and walk around, uh, do some reconnaissance of a, a route you want to walk or some, some stream. And that's always better in daylight, of course. And is that something to wear? I mean, would you be comfortable like self-guiding this stuff or do you need someone with you to make sure you don't? Get no, it? I don't. I don't need any. No. Um, if, if we, the, the most places we do it all, uh, we did it ourselves. Uh, me and uh, Anik, which is my uh, uh, girlfriend now uh, for a short while. So, uh, yeah, we did most of it ourselves. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's fine. You just, it, it's all about, about noise, right? If you, if you uh, fuck around with venomous animals, you just need to know what, what is it that you have in front of you. And if you, if you don't know it yourself, then better walk with a guide or, just make sure you always know the route back and uh, know what to do if something happens. That's that's the most important thing, I think. And Costa Rica is is relative safe, so yeah, it's not like you get uh, kidnapped uh, if you walk somewhere at night. At least I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and are you relying on any type of equipment or anything that you bring in in general? Uh, like like what, what do you mean? Um, like whether it's navigation equipment or even oh, like yeah. headlamps and stuff like that. What do you have? Yeah, headlights. I, I always use a. I don't only use a headlight and a and a hand torch because it's if you walk like all night, uh, then your your balance is is yeah, you get your eyes get really tired uh, fast from being uh, from the the flashlight and so it, it's for me it helps if I have just two flashlights to randomly look at everywhere with my headlight and then if I want to see some specific things uh, just uh, put uh, the torch on it and uh, and I always have uh, stuff to navigate but I always always try to uh, uh, memorize a map also and uh, if we walk most of the time we do a, a day it, during the day we walk around and we say oh we want to walk there we want to walk there and then I try to uh, make points of uh, to know where I am and so I can always uh, go back. Yeah, that's just a basic rule that I, I use for that. So, yeah. Okay, I wanted to shift gears a little bit. Okay. Um, we'll probably come back to herping. Um, but I'm always interested in, um, like, the research side of snakes and everything. And so do you feel like in the Netherlands only having three types of snakes, does it allow for in-depth research to be done on those or because there's only three is there not much interest or money behind doing research on those? Uh, the the money thing is, is is a big thing i think there are not a lot of uh, uh, organizations who do uh research on uh, on uh, the the snakes but there are some who do it, who does it and most of the research is done by people who voluntarily walk uh the same routes uh, several times uh in, in a certain period and they 
they give their data to the, those organizations and uh, most of the the research is is done by that and by by students so it's not really a big thing uh, uh, that's uh, yeah it's, it, it it happens but uh, yeah I'm not really familiar with how how many people do actually do that kind of research I know a couple but I don't know them all and uh, I know it's not a something something you can get uh, rich of <laughs> yeah that's for sure yeah that's a global thing i think yeah and no matter what aspect of snakes you're in i feel in whatever which way you're trying to monetize your snake fun it's probably a pretty uphill battle unfortunate for but, all the qualified see, folks I, out there. I feel like when there's only like three in an area like you have the opportunity to learn like every single thing about you know one of the most prominent or it's underappreciated it's probably (laughs) underappreciated yeah or you know but like kind of like you know decays brown snake or something there's not going to be many people who are interested in in finding out so much even about a very common snake even though i'm sure here in the u.s there's been plenty of research but where are those found everywhere in the united states that's just because because the the grass snake would be something similar kind of in europe yeah it says it's pretty much like your garter snake, your decays brown, right? Yeah, I think I think it's uh, it's, it's like uh, yeah, more like the grass snake. Yeah. It's just so common that people aren't really. No, they are. They are common in in Europe, and you do have a lot of subspecies if you go to islands and stuff, or you go to Italy or other peninsulas, and then uh, you get other species of other subspecies, but it's. If you if you have seen a couple, then you have seen them all. <laughs> but I think some people will get angry when they hear this. <laughs> nah, I think I mean it's nice to appreciate the simple things, but at the same time, acknowledge that they're the simple things. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's nice to go in a in Turkey and find a <laughs> Pfeiffer. I mean that's. That's it. Must be as much adventure as it is finding the animal, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and let's let, let's be honest. Most of the animals that we think are special are the ones you don't are not often, which are not often found. We do make rules in our head about if somebody if something is found in high numbers, then it's less interesting. Right. But not always, but. Uh, most animals uh, do have that uh, disadvantage if they uh, are around in high numbers then they're not as important as the one that's rarely seen and i think that's true of species in the wild and captive bred species you know it's always this since we breed corn snakes it's always this kind of interesting thing like oh corn snakes are good for first pet or you know they're super common and everything but we obviously very we value corn snakes and we hold them very high because we breed them but other people people, see it as stepping stone right other people who have blackheads or you know anything much more intense they don't view it the same or you have situations where you take like the woma python who's from australia and we can never get one and then all of a sudden we got one and then they were $30,000 and then now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, $200 everywhere and people stopped appreciating them. You know, once there was, there was such a high value yeah. placed on them and then they sank low, unfortunately. That's how it works. 
yeah, it's like things, yeah, things just start high, this half fictitious <laughs> number. Yeah, and then, out there. Yeah, and then pe- people start breeding them and then the prices go down. Yeah. Have you been to Australia? Yes, yes, I've been there, but it's a, uh, it was 2002, uh, 2003, and uh, it was in the summer then, so we didn't see a lot of snakes, but uh, I was always searching for animals. It was, mm. Yeah. And what part of Australia were you in? I, we we went from from Sydney to uh, to Cairns and Port Douglas and down to Melbourne and to straight up to uh, to the Uluru in the middle and to the Darwin. So we took the the east side, yeah, and we were there for five months. So we had five months. It's, Whoa! Yeah, yeah and I didn't. Uh, I didn't have a. I qu- I quit my job for uh, for for seven months. And we went traveling, and uh, so uh, yeah, we just did just uh, just driving around, sleeping in the car, and uh, living on uh, dry bread sometimes. And uh, I I got back home really skinny, so uh, yeah. But it was really really fun to uh, to do that. And Australia is such a cool place to 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 drive around. It's uh, yeah, I, I loved it. So why did you uh, pick? I mean, you could have went anywhere. What was particular about Australia that made you want to do this? It was a, a good country for, uh, yeah, for just doing like nine months of uh, nine, seven, six, seven months of doing nothing, just enjoying the scenery, enjoying the land, enjoying the people, and uh, yeah, out of that uh, seven months, we also went like uh, two months to uh, New Zealand and one week in Hong Kong. But uh, if I uh, would have done it now, then I would have seen a lot more animals because of all the contacts now you have and people you, you meet on the internet. And, but back then it was just, uh, uh, hey, let's have a walk here and oh, there's a lizard, let's try uh, to catch it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. What was, I mean, obviously that is a super scary experience for anyone like to think of just quitting your job and moving to Australia. I think people, well, not exactly moving, but just traveling around Australia. I think, I don't know. That sounds was, like an awesome thing to do, but most people would be scared to do something like that. It, was, it is like a, a thing that uh, people who still study, they, 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 they like to do that, travel around for six, six seven months. And uh, But I, I, was, I already had a job, and uh, I, I made an agreement with my boss that I could, uh, when I came back, that I... Uh, could start working straight away again so and he said yes and we made a he uh, he wrote a, his signature on the paper and uh, actually when we came back it was sort of a bad economical time so he said uh, yeah you've been away so long we're gonna fire you and then i said uh wait i have your signature here uh, i'm coming oh, tomorrow wow. so so i i could start straight away because he he wrote it down so uh it was a good thing to, uh, to have that black in a uh, black and white uh, right. on, uh, paper. Yeah. <laughs> Get it written down. <laughs> yeah. But he didn't like make your life a living hell after that or anything. Uh, no, no, actually, uh, actually, uh, it uh, went uh, better from there. Yeah. Really? Yeah. But it was before I uh, joined the Marine. So, uh, yeah. Is that something that you had the the like luxury of being young and not having many strings attached to be able to do something like that. Yeah. It's a, uh, that, that, that's it. I was already working for a couple of years and 
the, the girlfriend I had back then. She was uh, j- she just finished her study and she wanted to, to travel to Australia and uh, and I was like, uh, mm, maybe I should go with you. And she was like, oh yes. So we tried to to, to see what if it was possible and it was possible. So yeah, why not do it then? And uh, I saved up some money so we could like do uh, those uh, six seven months do uh, nothing but uh, just the things we wanted so that was that was really cool but it was really really hard to get back to work after that doing only nice things for so long is just really uh breaking you uh mentally if you have to go back to work after that yeah it seems like you'd be living in this like hedonistic type of like you do things that only give you pleasure and then yeah. you have to bring discipline back into your life yeah and it sucks Damn it, i want to go back to australia it really sucks yeah do you feel like if you hadn't started traveling um young do you think you would have done all you've done and seen all you've seen oh yeah it's um and that's always a diff. That's a difficult question, of course, because you don't know if you would have done anything different. Then you don't know what would have happened then. But I think traveling has always been one of my the things I, I wanted to do, and yeah, and combined with herping, of course, it's just a thing. It, it's I don't even have a choice. It's when I walk somewhere, even if I know there's nothing there, I walk on. I, I look into the sides of the road. It's, Maybe it's recognizable for people, but it's just the way it is. And but yeah, if I always went on a quite my my my, my dad, my parents have a, a camping car, so we were always on the move in Europe in in the summer months. And so yeah, we like I, to uh, to move around. And uh, my brother does uh, is even more uh, more crazy on the on the tour. He goes like everywhere and does crazy stuff like jumping in a canoe and uh, going around Sumatra stuff like that and I don't have time for that because I have a real job and he is a sort of freelance photographer so he uh, he does whatever comes along that's awesome and I and feel that's, like that's a lot of nice things he does <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Eric Burke is yelling at us from Morelia Python Radio saying you talked about Australia did he find any carpet pythons so oh no I didn't oh uh, so none at all. No, I did find some snakes. Oh, yeah, but yeah. not so many. I think some like uh, a keelback is, is like a little water snake, sort of garter snake kind of thing, and the the tree snakes, a couple of them. And uh, I think uh, I saw uh, a red belly uh, moving away to to the water, a red belly black snake. And uh, let me see. We did find some some pythons, but they were on the road, so that's not really. They were dead, so that's that sucks. But it was not the right time for uh, the summer is too hot for finding snakes. And yeah, if you don't have any uh, inside information, then it's even harder. Right. Right. I like how though, if you're gonna get across anything, it's gonna be like a red belly black or something that can kill you. That's always fun. <laughs> if you're gonna find yeah. something, find a lapid of some sort. Yeah, they are. They are big and fast there. So. Yeah. Um, okay, I have to ask, yeah. where all have you been in the United States? Uh, so I know North Carolina, wow. Arizona, Texas. Florida. I, I once had uh, on a um, on a flight to Costa Rica the first time with my family. 
We had like a 14 hour of stopover in Miami. So I said, oh, we're taking oh. a hotel in Homestead <laughs> and I'm, I'm driving the whole night. So I, I, <laughs> they were sleeping and I was driving and I, I got totally fucked into uh, when I came into Costa Rica because I didn't sleep. But I did find like a couple of snakes. So I had a lot of fun there. So Florida, I've been to, uh, to Arizona, um, uh, New Mexico, Texas, um, California. Uh, let me see. A lot of the coast. Yeah, and 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 a lot of uh, like uh, places uh, on the with the flight when you on the. I also been in your town. It's Philadelphia, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I had a stopover there once. So I've been there. <laughs> Let us know if you ever come. You can drive like three hours and see a timber rattlesnake. But oh yeah, that's that's. I think the 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 east side of the United States is is really an inter- interesting part for me to go there once because I also like salamanders a lot, and uh, of course there are the timber rattlesnakes are one I did not see before, and I, they are really really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and that's something to wear with the salamanders. I was surprised when we, when we went to North Carolina, I found some giant salamanders. And obviously throughout like Tennessee is a giant area for salamanders and stuff like cool. that. It's kind of like in the way Australia, you need to take like 20 trips just to hit all your hot spots to go to see completely different things. I feel like the United States has a good like... Well, we're also huge. So, huge geez. and yeah you need to take so many trips to really get <laughs> oh yeah for sure yeah is there a place in the united states you haven't been that you want to oh uh uh yeah i think <laughs> it's, it's 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 working quite simple every everywhere that i did not go yet and where i can find night animals i still want to go everywhere <laughs> so that's Oh yeah, so it's it's not going to happen in this lifetime, I think. But uh, I would still love to to see many places in uh, in the United States and anywhere else on the world, actually. But uh, well, like I said, uh, the the east sides with the the Appalachian uh, Appalachian Mountains and stuff like that. It's yeah, maybe maybe one day. Yeah, and. Have you been to Indonesia or anything over there? No, I just spent one week in Hong Kong, and all I saw there was a gecko and uh, and a big city. But uh, I know now that even in the city in, of Hong Kong, you can find lots of snakes if you know the right places. But I didn't know it back then, and for the rest, I did not uh, have any uh, Asian adventures mm. yet. Yet, it's uh, yeah, it will happen probably one day, and. Uh, yeah, because there are a lot of nice animals there too. But I'm you not have sure. done Africa. Oh yeah, that's. I think Africa is. Uh, if you compare Africa with Asia, for me, it's like. Uh, yeah, comparing uh, a beautiful viper with a grass snake. <laughs> 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 but uh, that's. Uh, yeah, Africa. But Africa is. It's, it's it, it can be crazy and um, it, it's really hard to find animals there and Africa you have like uh, the, the tourist thing is like people are paying money to see animals so if you searching for snakes and you meet up with people who search snakes then then that's 
that thought is still there. So uh, you pay the money and they they find you snakes. And if they really find you snakes, it's, it's sort of a mystery. Do they have them somewhere in a bag, or is somebody bringing them while you're searching mm-hmm. there? Or it's 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 not all really. Uh, yeah, I had my doubts sometimes when when we were there, and uh, but we we also uh, after the doubts we checked him many times, and we know some some of the coolest snakes that we found were really in the, from the wild, and maybe it's one that he released like a week before or. You never know how how that's happening. But many snakes we 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 found were with uh, like uh, damage on the on the the, fr- the frontal uh, scales yeah. or the the nose. So uh, so they uh, they were probably uh, ex captive ones. But yeah, that's hard to hard to prove. And the ones that we had. Uh, like a, it was like a Alteris uh, squamigera, really beautiful snake. And the moment that the guy saw it, I was walking behind him, so I saw it too. And so it it was actually found, and there was no chance that he could have put it there. But it was probably a snake that he used before, and he released in that area, so he knew it was knew it was still there. Maybe, uh, yeah. You never know. Africa is is different, and. Uh, it's, uh, we went to Uganda, and uh, Uganda is really a good place if you're a tourist. It's it's friendly, but things can go uh, other ways too in Africa. Mm-hmm. Things things can go wrong, and uh, the, the the value of a human life is not always uh, a lot. As I found out when I had uh, when I was with uh, with my uh, work in uh, in Chad, uh, crazy things happen there. So uh, Africa, yeah. I still want to go to many places there, but when is the question? So you got one of those places where it's a big thing to see gorillas there, right? Oh yeah, it is. But you don't want to know how much it costs. It's like really? six six hundred dollars for per person to to be like uh, half an hour with the gorilla family. Wow. It's 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 crazy. Yeah, but we thought, hey, uh, we're never gonna be here again, so uh, let's do it. But it's it's a big money money uh, machine. But it was it was kind of uh, special to be there, and those gorillas are. Yeah, I almost shit at myself twice because uh, <laughs> the 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 big the big male uh, made a charge at us, and but he stopped like two meters from us, and the guides were jumping in front of us, and they they hardly hardly ever really charged. But then I was behind because i had to pee so i uh, waited until the group was a little bit farther and i did my thing and but the, the young male which was like 10 11 years old is like not even half the size of the of the big uh, mm. the, the big one but he he saw me uh, and he came running through the through the jungle through the forest and it was like 15 meters of run and he, he stopped just one meter in front of me and i was really I was like, oh, he is. He has to prove himself, right? And so, but he stopped and he, he looked at me for like one second, and he turned around and walked away. But then I had a heartbeat of like three hundred sixty uh, beats a minute. I think that was really uh, scary. I don't make you fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that yeah. Is, 
uh, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, since there's so many groups going out there and there's the incentive to take people out there, like, would they be habituated towards humans? Seems like there's, uh, you know, they're still pretty wild. They are. They are definitely wild. Yeah. And they, they are probably used of the, the guides uh, they, who, who, who keep track on them and who, who bring the people to them. So, but, but they just do whatever they want. Uh, if they want to do something, nobody's going to do anything about it. Uh, and there is one, one guy with a, uh, with, with a group then who has a, a rifle. Yeah. Uh, he's probably not fast enough, and I will doubt if he will shoot uh, uh, at an animal while an animal is is grabbing a human, for example. I, uh, yeah, I was not really. Uh, uh, let, let's see it. Uh, I don't think that the, all those guys were really skilled with with arms. There. Mm-hmm. No. I- Someone else yeah, I think might as well. That. I don't think I want anyone taking a shot in between. If I have a gorilla's got no. me, he's probably gonna <laughs> shoot you and the gorilla. You you will get you will get shot, and not about the gorilla, <laughs> probably. Yeah. I don't remember. Was it Theo? Um, we had someone on the podcast who lives in South Africa, and I think I think it was him who was saying a lot of those people who are those guides, it might be like their first week, or like they do this like crash course in training, and then they let them be guides, and they don't really know you know, all the parts of the land and all the things that they Yeah, see. probably, yeah. I think the, the the guides who were with the gorillas really were they were really skilled. They know they know a lot about the animals. So you can see they were skilled. They they uh they they they, they, they could sense the the uh, the atmosphere in the group and uh they said oh go back now because he's looking a bit angry and they were they were right. They know what, what was going on but the guys who were walking with us, with the we who were the uh, part of the nature protectors, uh, the rangers, they were not. Uh, some were really uh, incompetent, I think. But yeah, it's it's a big money machine. So. And now snake people, I gotta ask Bittis, did you see any snake people? Yeah, yeah, no, like, um, were you able to see? I don't know if it's rhinoceros vipers that are down there, or oh yeah. We saw one. Really? Yeah, that was great. I think we spent the whole next day photographing it. <laughs> we could not stop. And uh, it's it, it, it's it's really a hard snake to photograph because of all the the small scales. And it looks kind of uh, rough, but it's actually all those scales are shiny. And it, it was hard taking a nice picture of those. Yeah, we saw the gaboon fiber and the rhinoceros fiber. Uh, we found a dead uh, puff adder. Yeah, but I saw that in Morocco already, so I was happy, and I said it like ten times to the guys who didn't see one. So just to uh, <laughs> take a piss out of them, and uh, yeah, we saw like uh, three Alteris species, like Alteris hispida, which I think is one of the coolest snakes on earth, with the really big spiny scales on on the head, and and uh, we found a juvenile of uh, Alteris nichai, which was almost totally black, really cool yeah for the rest herping in uh in africa if you do it alone it's hard we we did find some cool stuff uh, ourselves like the arteries hispidas and the arteries nichai but uh to know where you have to go or you just have to be lucky and uh yeah but you know cool with those as far as you didn't know whether they came from a bag the night before or whatever 
with uh, like Gaboon and Rhinoceros Vipers. The Gaboon Viper, it, it was like almost uh, one meters thirty, and it was like ten kilograms, so he could not really hide it somewhere. So, and the rhinoceros was, uh, uh, he kept saying, uh, "Tonight we're gonna find it," and we had to. We that was the only night we we uh, we wanted to search with him. We did it all during the day, and uh, during the night we had to pick him up. At, uh, at one of his houses, because he had uh, like uh, two wives and three families or stuff like that, and we picked him up at a local bar, and he was drunk. So we went into a, a little patch of forest, which was like 150 meters uh, by 150 meters, and that's that's just the nature areas in in Uganda. They're just small pockets of forest where the animals still live, and the rest is all cultivated. Mm. And we went in there and we walked around and. We heard, I, I walked somewhere else and I heard him just talking really loud because he was drunk and with his, his son was with him too. And then suddenly he was, yes, I am the best snake catcher ever. And I'm in half English. Uh, uh, and he called us uh, Musungus, come uh, have a look over here, which is like white man, uh, come have a look over here. And then there was like uh, 70 centimeter of uh, rhinoceros fiber. Uh, one of the most beautiful vibes I have, I had ever seen, but uh, yeah, he found it and while being drunk. Yeah. That's <laughs> while being drunk. So yeah, I mean, we 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 are sure, or he could not have brought it because the other guys were walking behind him. We we always kept an eye on him. <laughs> so, uh, but we we don't know if somebody else put it there or. But the, 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 nah, I, I, that that was a wild one for sure. I think, yeah. And I think that given those pieces of land are pretty small, if they're there, they're there, and you're going to have a chance to find one, right? Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, because also in that pocket we we saw like uh, Arteris Ispida high up in the tree, it was about six meters high. We didn't even uh, we we confirmed that it was the species, and we said, okay, we already found two another another forest. So. Uh, Let's uh, keep it up there, and uh, yeah. But uh, if the thing is there, you 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 need a guy like that because you cannot walk around alone in a forest like that. Because all those farmers, they have a gun and uh, they see something with flash flashlights in the the forest, and uh, before you know it, you'll be running uh, because they're trying to shoot you. Yeah. So you need you need you need people like like that who who, who help you there and. There is it. It's just a way of, of uh, yeah. He's he's getting rich out of the herpes, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. For uh, for being in that country, is earning a lot of money. Enough to pay his bar tabs at least. Before he... uh, yeah, I think so. At least for that night, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just noticed um, on the wall. Is that one of your pictures behind you on the wall? Oh yeah, it's uh, actually. Let me have a seat. It is one of my best finds ever. Wow. It's a Pseudocerastus persicus. And it was in uh, the uh, United Arab Emirates. And uh, we were looking for uh, for Echis omanensis, which is like a saw-scaled fiber that lives in that area. <coughs> and we knew that it was possible to find this species, but uh, most of the time in Oman and in uh, the, the Emirates, they are fine, uh, both like a uh, thousand meters and higher. 
and uh, I was walking around in a in a in a wadi, really big wadi, and all of a sudden I I heard next to me like uh, <laughs> it was a snake making noise, and I I turned and I saw the light and I was oh that's that's not a saw scaled viper, and it was normally they're like really sand colored only in Oman and and here they're like darker. And it was, for me, it was one of the best finds I ever had because I really am in love with uh, those Pseudocerastus uh, species, really crazy snakes. And of course, we all know the, the spider-tailed uh, viper, which is like the, the, the latest found uh, cousin of this one. But this one already was really, uh, really nice for sure. And it was unexpected and that's, that's making an experience more uh, more good than if you know that you're looking for, for the saw skilled fiber and you find it then it's like okay we got it let's go and this is like oh my god this is snake I I never expected to find and then you find it that's that's pure pure luck yeah is the um the taxonomy of vipers and everything is that changing frequently I know with some snakes we work with and stuff it's like oh now it's a subspecies oh this is not a subspecies and all that kind of especially stuff. when you find one in Uganda then you find one in Morocco right like, right yeah, there's stuff all over the place yeah it's it does it does change but not uh, in, in 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 African countries it doesn't change that fast because uh, there are a lot of places where it's not really safe to do a lot of research and uh but uh for example in in europe we we have some uh we had some splitting of uh vipera ursini in the recent years which now in greece is now uh, vipera graica and uh then you have another reason to go back to greece <laughs> and uh, look for that uh, fiber so uh yeah but it's yeah it it, it happens but not as fast as with as with some amphibians uh, in the tropics, I think. And I can imagine that it's still. I mean, whether it's a new species or not, finding a a carpet python in one side of Australia and then the opposite side of Australia, even if it's the same species or not, and they look different, I feel like it can be just as much of a prize for you to find, whether it's a sp- full species or not. Yeah, yeah. If you, uh, um, I, I do like. Uh, there's, there's one species. Of course, it's a viper again in, in, in France and Spain and Portugal, which is the Ceoani viper, and it has like uh, many morphs. So it has like many ways it, it can look and uh, all those different patterns they have, and it's, it's really nice to find. In 2017, I spent a summer traveling around there and finding as much. Uh, variation as possible and that's that's really rewarding it's not just seeing the the species but seeing like many many different morphs of it is for me it's a big reward yeah uh i know you don't keep any um snakes but have you been to anyone's collections of vipers or anything like that have you seen any uh captive collections that have really uh amazed you uh no not really i did see some 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 snakes at people's homes but it's just uh yeah rarely yeah not, i didn't see a lot of them those now and have you found anything in the wild that would save you like a mutation that people would freak out about <laughs> yeah i did i did have some uh i found a 
in Spain once uh, a Viper that was recently shared. It was light blue, and it was really light blue, and uh, so that was really special. But I think it was also not really healthy, so uh, I let let it go quickly. But uh, I do get uh, some uh, some uh, talks from people of which I know that they keep snakes, and they're like, "Oh man, if you could ever bring one of those home," <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Oh no, maybe tomorrow, <laughs> today." Yeah. And is there any species that you would love to find that you haven't been able to find, or maybe it would be very hard to go find? Oh, I don't think two hours is enough now. Eh? If you want to go that direction, <laughs> you know, there are still many, many like the monks and viper, the Chinese one, the big green one. It's, but it's 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 so hard to find. Let's let's wait until some people go there and find mm-hmm. it, and then we can borrow that information. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there are on Borneo. It's like the uh, the, the Mal- Malcomi uh, viper. It's it's really high altitude species it looks ridiculously crazy and yeah uh, there are so many countless. snakes yeah countless countless every for me it's always uh i don't have really a list of things i want to see i just adjust my list to the opportunity i get next trip and for now i don't even have anything planned uh, for the for, for the future yet so i don't then I don't, i'm not going to make myself crazy on all the animals that are impossible to see mm-hmm. within the next couple of years so i just concentrate on the on the places i go and then i i make my new uh, most wanted list i think yeah that's how it works that makes sense if you can figure out how to find an ethiopian mountain adder i would uh-huh. love to <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> that's nice that'd be nice i think one of my friends is uh, uh he talked about going to ethiopia so if if that would uh, then then that one would definitely be on the menu for uh, <laughs> trying to find it. I know nothing about them. Were they very difficult to find? I mean, I think they were only described in the late nineties or something, correct? Or even um, yeah, I I, f- I think they is it is that Atropos or is there another one? I'm not sure which one it is exactly, but I'm it's like a crazy uh, yeah, it's like a li- little beetus. Uh, I'm not sure which one that you mean. But I think we are thinking of the same one. Uh, let me get because I, I thought it was a bitus, but let me see what the yeah almost yeah, bitus almost. parviacus parvi cold. Oh yeah, that that one. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I I think it's found more more recently now, but yeah, that would be definitely uh, something to to try. But yeah, Ethiopia. Yeah. Wow, that's so Things- bright. Sorry, we just uh, it's, it's a really be- beautiful country, and you have millions of really, really good people there. But there are also places that you, yeah, that things can happen to you easily in a country like that. I think so. Uh, you always have to uh, be uh, safe. Try to be safe there. Well, like I know so many people who are into you know African pythons or love Angolan pythons, and apparently they're just like landmines everywhere in Angola so oh. you can just mm. walk around. Yeah, I would not like to walk around in an area with three landmines. If if you have like 
southern Europe, uh, the area of Croatia and, and Bosnia and, and that that area. There are also a lot of landlines, and I only heard at places there where I really know for sure that there are not uh, mm. landmines, and because all the landmines are uh, most of the time at strategic places, like. Uh, uh, in between uh, mountains, the the path that more over it, and those are also always the nice places to herb. So I always uh, stay uh, a big distance from places like that because you know, I can't help myself. I never walk on the trail. I always go next to it and <laughs> oh, there's a nice spot. Let's have a look there. And that that's how you find animals, but that's how you probably lose a leg too in an area like that. Yeah, or and worse. Were you able to herp at all in Chad? Uh, no, not not really. It was like, uh, uh, yeah, being lucky and meeting with an animal just uh, in front of you. I think my very first night in in uh, in Chad, I walked around on the campsite and it was like had like the big water bags uh, for for uh, having the water for for showering and, and cooking and stuff like that. Mm. And on the sides, there were if you would lift up. Uh, the corners then there were lots of toads under it and then we, we found a, a herald snake which is like a really pretty cool snake so that was the first snake we found and later in uh, we, uh, we were there for almost six months and uh, we, we found one more of those so and for the rest I don't, didn't see any snake I did see tracks of a puff adder once when we were driving around uh, I knew for sure it was puff adder tracks crossing the road but then I really would have liked to go outside and search, but yeah, that's not the thing you do then. And yeah. for the rest, it was just uh, uh, some uh, some lizards and uh, a monitor there. Uh, the, the monitor we saw was like the first records of uh, that species in Chad, so that's just pretty cool. And then you hear that afterwards from really uh, monitor-minded guys. So, so you found really cool. a lot of first or i feel like and i feel there's... like we haven't been able to talk about like vranids that you found out hmm see so we could talk for four hours of all yeah that. I, I, I guess it's possible i was a little uh, worried about that uh, what what should i tell i, I don't know what to tell yeah you have countless stories <laughs> countless yeah stories. true 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 but... one time we were in jail in greece you know? yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, that is that is a cool story, actually. Yeah. <laughs> My last question is actually has nothing to do with snakes, um, but I usually ask this for people who traveled a lot, and especially because uh, food is a big part of your travels. Um, what is the weirdest thing you've ever eaten on your travels? Wow, uh, let me think for a while. Mm, I don't know. I think I had like we had like in Morocco we had a soup somewhere and the soup was like it tasted like like you had nothing in your mouth and it was a really weird experience but I'm, I'm not sure I don't I don't I don't think I ever eaten anything strange or maybe I didn't know what it was but <laughs> but I always like to I like surprises though so when we go and eat somewhere and I don't know what it's on the menu I said. Uh, I try to make it as clear as possible that hey, surprise us with something you think is good, and uh, so what you will eat then? I'm not sure, but so no, could you be anything. So no, like fried intestines, or I don't know. Oh, we didn't, we like... didn't really go to Asia yet, eh? so <laughs> that, that might that might change everything. <laughs> Very true. Or I don't know. And have you animals. Gotten... There's animals in other parts of the country that they eat 
that I like. Maybe it's normalized to eat a dog, you know. Once again, that'd be Asia. I don't know. I feel like someone told us small, like rat type thing. I don't know. Other little creatures that they eat. Well, as long as they're tasteful. You'll eat it? Yeah, Yeah, I think so, yeah. (laughs) Just uh, that you should eat with your mouth sometimes and not with your eyes. That's a big difference. And have you ever gotten sick? from um, eating yeah. and drinking in a foreign country oh yeah 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 in mexico i, I had a i had a bad night and uh, was like uh tacos but they were <laughs> I, I felt like my my stomach was exploding and the guys were saying ah, you should go to bed and we'll, we'll show you the snakes in the morning and i said oh fuck off let me sit on the back seat and and when i say stop you i just have to stop as fast as possible and then i'll, I'll do my thing so I at one point I yelled stop and I went puking for like five minutes and all came out and after that it was like uh, hey I'm good again let's uh, let's Ooh. find some more snakes <laughs> but for the rest I I I I'm blessed with a stomach that is yeah it can take some things I think I don't have that a lot that I have problems with food so and you've never got that's a good thing <laughs> sorry no malaria. Anything crazy? <laughs> no. Uh, Bill Hartsia. Yeah, uh, yeah, they have a big bill for that. and uh, It's all right. Yeah. Nice. You came out relatively unscathed after right. all of this traveling. Yeah. Yeah. There's luck, I think. Or maybe I don't know that I have malaria. Maybe it comes <laughs> later. Yeah. Um, so if someone wanted to uh, get in contact with you, what's the best way they can reach you? Um, I, I think there's a, you can uh, fill in the contact uh, thing on my uh, on my website, which is uh, www.gertjanverspaar.com. We will put that down. Uh, actually, I, know, I know you wanted to ask me to pronounce my name because it was difficult for you guys, but uh, that's, that's it. So it's www.gertjanverspaar.com. You make it sound um, like one fluid word when we're like we're very yeah, happy with it. it. Like yeah. like already told you, it's I'm used to that word for 43 years now. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it should be weird if I would have problems with it, right? Very true. Yeah. It is your name. Yeah. You should know it. Yeah, so so that's that's a way if you want to get in contact with me, and I'm also on Instagram, and uh, which is um, uh, I think it's Ge Verspuil Wildlife. Shit! Why don't I know that for sure? That's stupid. <laughs> and I'm also on Facebook, so if people want to uh, ask me something or anything, they're always welcome. And uh, I like uh, to talk about whatever I've been into, or maybe give advice, or maybe ask advice to other people. I yeah, it's fun. But don't expect me to to uh, send around uh, all kind of spots straight away. That's not how it works. <laughs> You gotta sweeten sweeten it a little bit. You gotta talk for a little bit before you uh, share. Uh-huh, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> even then, maybe. But you guys need to check out his Instagram. So many amazing pictures of animals, and the website has so many amazing stories of all your herping trips. So if you guys want to learn more about the species he's talking about, because he threw out a lot of Latin names that I don't even know the common names for, <laughs> and I may have to go back and look for pictures of each trip just to find out. Some of the, yeah, Latin names and everything. But yeah, definitely check out his website. We will have it in the description. Um, and if you guys want to get in contact with us, we are Port City Pythons on Instagram, Facebook, uh, portcitypythons.com, and YouTube, obviously, if you're watching right now. But thank you so much for coming on. 
I'm glad you see we were able to fill two hours and oh yeah thank you thank you too it was really a lot of fun uh, talking to you guys really I loved it great I'm so awesome glad. and we're so glad to have you and get a different perspective on everything and herping is always a great topic to cover yeah we will see everyone next week Yes, yes next after week, Tinley Park. If you guys want to go visit us at Tinley, we will be there all weekend. Hit us up, Instagram, wherever you know where we are. Thank you guys so much.